This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Thank you, uh, uh, Apostle Theo. It's a real honor and a privilege to be asked to be able to minister in your church. And we love you and uh, Pastor Bev with all of our hearts. We've known you for all these years. And we appreciate you very, very deeply, very sincerely. So we're going to be speaking about the power of discipleship. And uh, Jesus commissioned us to go into all the world and to make disciples. And there's going to be an eternal reward for obeying the commission of Jesus. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is, who am I discipling? Or who have I ever discipled? Some of us might have to say, I haven't discipled anybody. And I'd like to learn how to start and obey the commission of Jesus. Well, I was privileged to experience the power of discipleship, which enabled me to become an effective discipler down the road. And so who was that discipler that God brought into my life? that touched and changed and transformed my life. First of all, I'll mention my brother Hansel. Uh, I came out the army when I was 18 years old, and my brother Hansel invited me to a Nicky Cruz gospel crusade that was in Durban's Kings Park Soccer Stadium. Thousands of people were there. There was an extended altar call, and uh, sometimes people say, oh, extended altar call, why is it taking so long? Well, I thank God it took long because I was one of the last ones to go forward and kneel down on that grass with thousands of others and surrender my heart and my life to Jesus. Then my brother also invited me to a church, Living Waters Church, and it was Pastor George Dillman, and he had a very powerful evangelical and healing ministry. So being new at this church, I uh, was looking for friends, and I noticed there was a on-fire Christian. Uh, when I say on-fire Christian, there was a smile, there was a brightness, there was a joy, there was uh, something that pulled like a magnet. I just saw this man, saw how he was running after God, pursuing God, and I wanted to learn from him what it is like to love and live for and serve Jesus. I was new. I didn't understand anything. I learned that he was a worldly, wild one back in the days, doing the bidding of the devil. Uh, however, after he was radically saved, he ran even harder for Jesus, bringing 200 souls to the Lord in his first six weeks, and that church went into revival. And the Bible tells us in uh, Luke chapter 7, Jesus said, uh, this prostitute her many sins have been forgiven because she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. And so there was a man who was forgiven much and loved much and demonstrated that love that he had for Jesus. And so I kind of wormed my way into that circle of friends. You know, can we make room for one more person in the circle over here? And I just kind of wormed my way in. And so this was a circle of conversational friends. I wanted what he had, that love and that zeal for the Lord. And then he opened up his heart to me and his friendship uh, to me. I believe he saw 
there was a hunger in my heart for the Lord. So uh, we became friends, and I heard that he was a ex-South African karate champion. And we were having a little fellowship after the Bible study on a Tuesday night, just standing outside there, a few of us standing in a circle. And I was thinking to myself, we're talking about the Lord. We've just had a Bible study. That's what our focus is. And I thought to myself, I wonder how fast this guy really was as a South African karate champion. And so he's not expecting this. So I'm standing over there, and I did this as fast as I could. I took my hand, and I went like that to punch in his face. And uh, before I could get halfway, he blocked me, and there was a fist right one inch from my nose. And he laughed at me and said, better not try that again. And so I thought to myself, this is a good guy to have in my corner in case I ever get into trouble one day. (laughs) And so we went to a church camp, our church, Living Waters Church, at this beautiful campground. And so I made two hammocks, one for Theo and one for me. I was a civil engineer. I knew how to figure things out and make things. Two beautiful hammocks. And so we, we were going to sleep under the stars. And all those bungalow Christians were standing around us while we were putting up our hammocks. And they said, you guys are going to get soaked. The farmers have been praying for rain, and they desperately need the rain. And we said, well, we agree the farmers can have all the rain that they want. It's just not going to rain right here where we're sleeping. And so, praise God, they came running out the next morning and were so disappointed that it didn't rain. And we just laughed and said, well, God came through for us and He honored our faith. And um, there was a service. Uh, every day we had a morning, evening service at, the, uh, at this camp meeting. And in one of the services, Pastor George Dillman was preaching. And while he was preaching, he asked this question. He said, what is that one thing that you have to have, and without this one thing, you cannot please God? And I thought there was silence in the congregation. I thought, I wonder what that one thing is. And suddenly there was a booming voice in the congregation shouting out, Faith! <laughs> and uh, that was Theo. And so... Uh, I realized that this man understood something about faith that a lot of people didn't understand. And knowing the 50 years that I've known Theo, I've known him on the mountaintops, I've known him down in the valleys, and I've always noticed he had that revelation of faith. And when you are close to someone and you know what they're going through, could be a very deep and dark trial in their life, never have I heard him speak a negative word in 50 years? He's always spoken the word of God. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are saying. And I learned being discipled, this is friendship discipling, just friends being together and learning and observing and watching someone so it can change your own life. At that same uh, camp meeting, there was uh, after one of the evening services, there was this little, uh, uh, this couple that came to me, and they had this little girl. Well, little girl, wasn't that little. And uh, so this uh, girl, and they said, can you help us? I said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do my best. What's wrong? And they said, look at our daughter's eyes. And this beautiful little girl, her eyes were completely squint. And they said, uh, can you help us and, and pray for her? 
And I said, well, follow me. I know someone who uh, can confidently handle the situation. And there I brought, I, I, I brought them to Theo. We went to their bungalow. And uh, so it was a triangle over here. The parents were there. And uh, Theo was on this side. And I was on the other end of the triangle between them. And so they were, Theo sat down, took his Bible, read some faith scriptures, some healing scriptures, and asked, do you agree with this? And they said, yes, we agree. And he said, let me pray for your daughter. And they nudged their little girl towards Theo. So he's standing, she came up, and he's standing here, and this girl is down uh, by his hip level. And so he went ahead and laid his hands upon her and prayed for her and commanded those squint eyes to straighten in the name of Jesus. And he paused, and the anointing of God flowed in that little girl, and he sensed it, and he said, it's done. And he turned her around and nudged her back towards her parents. I'm thinking, why don't you check first before you say it's done, you know? And uh, so he just nudged her back, and this little girl uh, walked back towards her parents, and instantly they burst into tears. And there was a great joy and a celebration as they looked into their little girl's perfectly straight eyes. Isn't Jesus amazing? The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. In John chapter 14, the Bible says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these will he do. So learning in this friendship discipleship, I've seen a lifetime of a friend that had faith, that believed God, and that walked in the realm of the anointing and power and miracles. Then I also noticed there was a great compassion on his life. Uh, I was going to church one night, I was 18, 19 years old. And my mother was a nasty alcoholic. And so as I was about to walk out the door, my mom said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to church, mom. She said, which one? Because she liked that nominal church where nothing happened. And I went with her a few times just to encourage her to go to church. At least it was church, you know. And so I said, mom, you know the church I go to because she came one time and didn't like it. And so she said to me, uh, Which one? I said, I'm going to the church that you know that I like and I go to. And she said, no, you can't. I said, Mom, I'm 18 years old, and i got my own car, and I'm going to church. So as I was walking out the door, she came up behind me, was an exercise pipe lying there, and she picked it up, and she whacked me over the back of the head, and seeing stars and stumbling forward and down to my knees, I got myself... uh, And I stumbled out of there, ran to my car, and I drove to church crying and weeping because my own mother would do this to me. And so uh, I went to church upset in the whole service, and I was scared to go home. I thought, what will my mom do to me in my sleep, maybe? And so I walked up to Theo, and I said, may I please come and stay at your house with tears in my eyes? And he just smiled at me and said, brother, I welcome you to come into my home. And so Theo had that same compassion for the sick and the suffering and the hurting. I noticed that through his life. The Bible says in Matthew 14, Jesus felt compassion for them and he healed their sick. 
So uh, we were at Living Waters Church, and this is where we grew up in the Lord together. And so we had two Sunday morning services. We had a Tuesday night Bible study. We had a Thursday night prayer meeting. We had a Friday night youth meeting, and sometimes on Saturday nights we went witnessing. And then we prayed for our backslidden pastor who gave us nothing to do on Monday and Wednesday. We thought, what are we going to do on Monday and Wednesday? And so what happened on the Wednesday, uh, Theo said, let's go and have a Bible study. And so we went to his home, and we had a prayer meeting there on Wednesday nights, and we had a Bible study there on Wednesday nights. And then Theo got some invitations to uh, go and do some gospel outreach at churches in different places. And he, he was going to use his miming experience that he had from his wild, worldly days in his nightclub. And so he, uh, he knew all about amplifiers and sound and equipment and, and miming, something that was used for the devil. God was now turning around all those skills to use it for the Lord. <laughs> so once again, the devil lost. So we started practicing miming and a third party joined us, which was Beverly. And so we had a wonderful time, the three of us, I think it was on the Monday night where we practiced our miming skills and Theo honed us in how to do it just right. <laughs> so uh, we'd go to these churches and we would sing and have these gospel outreaches and the people would come to us afterwards and they said, wow, you guys are amazing. This is the best gospel singing we've ever heard. And we just smiled and nodded our heads and let them think that it was all real. Didn't want to spoil the fun, you know. So, uh, so the, the result of this uh, discipleship example was this love, this example, this investment into my life transformed my life from being a nominal Christian to being an on-fire Christian for Jesus. Being discipled totally changed and transformed my life. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. When iron sharpens iron, uh, the sparks will fly. And so the sparks flew into my heart and into my life and sharpened me and lit me alive for Jesus. Then several years later, Theo shared a calling that he had to go and start a church east of Johannesburg in Bedford View, and him and Beverly were going to go together and start this church from scratch, and my heart went there with him, and was a good friend that was going to go, and I thought, well, we've had all these years together, but God opened the door for Marlene and myself to go and join uh, Apostle Theo and Dr. Beverly, and go and help them in their church. So, People say this discipling thing that you're talking about is just way too big. There's just too much. Where would I even begin? The story is told about a little boy, and all these fish had been washed ashore, flapping on the beach, and he walked over there and grabbed these flapping fish, and he was throwing them back into the ocean. And a man walked by and said, son, there's just way too many fish. It's a hopeless situation. And he looked at that flapping fish in his hand and he said, it's not hopeless for this one, and threw him back in the ocean and then went ahead and trying to grab another one and throw him back into the ocean. So Matthew 25 tells us the King Jesus will say to them, inasmuch as you did it 
to one of my brethren, even the least of them, Jesus said, you did it to me. I take this personally when you minister to somebody else, help somebody else, whether you feed them, whether you give them a drink, whether you invite them into your home, whether you clothe them, whether you love them, whether you share the gospel, show the compassion of Jesus, Jesus said, you're doing it to me. And if you can be faithful in a very little thing, then the Bible says that God can entrust you to be faithful with larger things. So the Lord is not going to waste all His resources sending people onto the unfaithful who are never going to do anything about it. He's going to give us a little test and send somebody our way. And if we can be faithful with that little test, God says, well done, now I'm going to send more because I know I can trust you because you have a hungry heart and you want to bless people and you want to help people. So I know I'm sending them into good soil, into a good place. Some people say, well, there's just so many going to hell. What difference can I make? Well, we all need God to open our eyes that we don't see people as trees walking, but we see them as souls that Jesus bled and died for and gave his life for. If a forest sets fire, just say, oh, that's a shame. I mean, but all those thousands of trees got burned. People are not trees. People are souls that will spend eternity in hell, and God wants to use us to be able to reach them with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are being entrusted by God for the ones He brings across our path. I'm not responsible for the whole world. I can pray for the world. I can pray for the church. I can pray for revival. But God's going to send people across my path, and He's going to send more if I'm going to practice what I call the TTP principle. Talk to people. So we got to pray and say, Lord, give me boldness and start launching out and talking to people. Sometimes we're more concerned about our reputation. What are people going to think of me? Will they like me? I don't want to take a chance if I say something and they get offended. You're not always going to do it right and perfect. Sometimes people might get offended and we live and we learn that was a mistake. I won't do that again. But God sees your heart that you want to talk to people and you want to be there to minister to people. The Bible said in John 14, 27, the disciples of Jesus were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman at the well. This was a Samaritan woman. They were amazed. How can you even talk to someone? Jesus was TTP, talking to people. Wherever you are, this is where God has you, and God knows where you're going to be, and he knows how to get that person to you. It might be at the gym. It might be at your work might be standing in a line waiting to pay, and as you are there, practice talking to people. I always look for a logo or some nice outfit they have or a little joyous kid that they have, and just have an icebreaker and talk to people and see how God will turn that conversation around. So do not be a mind-my-own-business Christian. Don't want to get involved in other people's stuff. Start purposefully talking to people. And the greatest place to start is right here at church. Think about this. How many people have come into the building and they have, might, might just one time, maybe one time, maybe they came for a month and then they were gone. Imagine if every person that came in, somebody loved them, somebody connected with them, 
and somebody help them to connect with this church and to grow in this church. And if we had kept, instead of, I don't know what percentage, 30 or 40%, we had kept 70 or 80%, what a difference that would make. But that takes everyone's participation to talk to people. And so start in the church. Come early. Some people get in late and leave early. Come early and uh, mingle in the front of the church, in the foyer, get to your seat, talk to the person behind you. And so get, in, in, get engaged. I will look around the congregation. I got my seat. I put down my Bible. And so I'm looking around. I was at a church with my son in Chattanooga. He was new in Chattanooga. And so we, <laughs> we went to this church. And after the service, I was in the foyer with him. And I wanted him to connect to the church. It was a great church. And so as I looked around the church, I said, Lord, who's the person that can help my son get connected here? And just looking around, my heart was drawn to somebody. That can happen every Sunday for every single person over here if you want to be used by the Lord. And so uh, I walked up to this person with my son, and I introduced myself. And so he said to me, uh, you've come to the right person because I'm the one who connects everybody in this church. Took my son's number. But God connected me with the right person. He knows every needy person that is out there in the congregation, and he can connect you to that person. This is a uh, soft practice field. We're not going out there talking to a hardened sinner. We're talking to people that are in church, and we want to help them be connected. We once had a prayer friend program where every disciple that was sound in the Lord would find two people and help get those two people connected. And when one was connected and solid, then we could hand him off and he could start looking for two people and I would replace him with the second person. I, I'm going to be his friend. That's not difficult. And I'm going to pray for him every day. I'm going to have his name and his number. If he's not in church, I'm going to call him. But I know God connected me before or after a service and I'm going to pursue this person. I'm going to be used by God to disciple. The church has got programs but there are things that can fall through the cracks. Someone doesn't get involved in the program. And so we can be there. And the Lord knows this person is never going to attend a program unless somebody before or after service connects with him. And when you do it successfully in the church, you can then take it out into the streets. So just start because everything happens by just starting and your skills will develop. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, he who is wise wins souls. He wins and disciples souls. You're wise for doing that because there is an eternal reward. So I'm a little bit shy. I'm a little bit scared. The Bible says they were told to keep quiet. Acts 4. Don't ever talk about Jesus ever again. They prayed and they said, Lord, I need that anointing of boldness. And so everyone can pray that same prayer, that anointing of boldness that you can be bold in the mighty name of Jesus to go and talk to people. Now, Theo invested his life into mine, for which there will be an eternal reward from the fruit of my labor. If you've invested your life in somebody, and that somebody becomes a Billy Graham, you're going to reap from the labor of that person because you invested yourself. He has a multiplication. Every person you invest your life in and help them to be discipled is going to be a reward. Now, God transformed through our 
training that we had, I, I worked with uh, Apostle Theo for uh, nine years at Family Harvest, a Christian Family Church. I worked there for nine years, and we ran the Layman School of Training. One of the uh, courses was a Fishers of Men program, and we transformed timid Christians to be bold Christians to share their faith and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the wicked flee where no one's pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. We have got to be lion Christians, king of the jungle, fearless. I'm not going to let the devil bark at me because he will. He'll bark at you, but I'll roar back at him because I am the lion in the authority of Jesus' name. And your little bark's not going to stop me from obeying my Lord Jesus Christ who died for me and gave his life for me. But here's the eternal rewards in Exodus 20, verse 5 and 6. Very interesting scripture. The Bible says, Do not worship them or serve them. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, and I visit iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. What is the context? The context is generation, third and fourth generation. And then it stops. Now, verse 6 says, But I show loving kindness, favor, and mercy to thousands. The context is generations, to thousands of generations for those who love me and keep my commandments. So think about this. Yeah, we have Abraham. Abraham obeys the Lord and is ready to sacrifice Isaac. And so Abraham, because of that covenant, has opened the door, willing to sacrifice his son, that God can bring his son a few thousand years later into the world because of covenant. So there's Abraham, and he has Isaac, and then Jacob, and then the 12 tribes of Israel. Abraham's reaping an eternal reward from all this that is happening because he obeyed God, did what God told him to do. And then from the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, we go forward and we see there's judges, and there's kings, and then there's David and Solomon, and then there's the prophets, and then there's Jesus and the 12 disciples and the apostle Paul, and the gospel goes out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the four corners of the world. All this is going back to Abraham. Abraham is reaping the reward to thousands of generations because he obeyed the Lord. And then down the road comes Apostle Theo, obeys the Lord, and then comes Smiley, and then the layman school of training. And so everyone's reaping a reward from the previous person. I don't want to arrive in heaven and have no reward because I did nothing for Jesus. I was a mind, my own business Christian. I want to be the person that says, I'm going to find someone. I'm going to befriend someone. I'm going to learn it in the soft place called the church. I'm going to take it out into the streets, and I'm going to pray for the Lord to bring souls. The Bible says we've got to pray the Lord of the harvest to raise up those workers. No good praying, Lord, raise up those workers. I'm sitting at home doing nothing. While you're praying for workers to be raised, be praying for yourself. Say, Lord, I want that boldness to be that very worker in Jesus' name. And if you pray that prayer, then you go out expecting that prayer to be answered and for God to bring those people. So next time you're sitting there waiting for your haircut, and there's a person sitting next to you, and you have that little prompting, you have a one-second split decision. Am I going to 
bam, that prompting hit me. I'm going to say, hi, my name's Smiley, and open up the conversation and start talking, or I'm going to question, think, uh, what is he going to think about? The moment you hesitate, you're lost. Instantly follow the prompting of the Lord, and you'll see how right it is that God had you there at the right place, at the right time, to share the love of the Lord Jesus. And so the only eternal reward that we're ever going to receive is for souls we bring into heaven. There's no reward for all the wealth that you've amassed, except for those who obviously have an anointing, entrepreneurship to make money, and they're supporting the gospel of Jesus Christ. People who are amassing wealth for themselves for the wrong reasons, wrong motives, Unless you're bringing souls, there's no reward. Your life was wasted. A book was written before the foundation of the world that has your name in it, and God's plans and purposes were written in that book thousands of years, well, before the foundation of the world. Many people live and die and never even enter into step one of what God wrote in that book. Start praying, said, Lord, whatever you wrote in my book, Moses discovered that 40 years later in the wilderness at 80 years of age, it was written in his book and entered into it. It's not too late for you to pray. Say, Lord, I want the revelation and uh, little things God will lead you by and that revelation will be made manifest and you'll start fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. So uh, let's close by asking everyone that is sitting in the audience here if you have found Jesus, because you can't be discipled until you've first of all found Jesus. So let every head bowed, every eye closed, and I want to say these words to you. According to John 3, 16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I want you to know that God loves you beyond what you can ask, dream, think, or imagine, an unconditional love as you are. He wants to be your lover, your friend, but not your judge. But unless we surrender our hearts to Jesus, He will end up being our judge. So respond to the love of God instead of facing the judgment of God. In Romans 10, the Bible says, Whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. I promise you, God is no disappointment. Some people think God's a killjoy, going to take away all my fun. I don't know if I want this fuddy-duddy stuff. I want you to know that you will be amazingly surprised how much God loves you and how He will fulfill your life, not disappoint your life. The devil's lying if he says God's going to take away from the joy and the fun of your life. It goes on in Romans 10. It says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, will be saved. And I want to ask everyone, with your head bowed, your eye closed, eyes closed, that if you will call on the name, saying, I need to call on the name of Jesus. And then thirdly, I want to say to you in Revelations chapter 3, Jesus said, I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking on the door of your heart. He said, if you will open the door, he promised and said, I will come into your heart and I will dine with you and you with me. The handle to the door of your heart is on the inside. The devil will force himself into your life against your will. 
God will only come in by a personal invitation. And so if that heart is empty, that heart has been trying to find love and trying to find joy and trying to find peace and trying to find security and looking in all the wrong places, God has brought you to the right place that you can open your heart and that you can receive the Prince of Peace. He'll come in if you ask Him to come in. The Bible calls Him the Prince of Peace. There is no peace without Jesus, no heart peace, lasting peace. And so we're going to understand this, that giving our hearts to Jesus is like a marriage ceremony. Everybody understands and has been to a wedding and one says, I do. The other one says, I do. Jesus is the groom, and we are the bride of Christ. Jesus said, I do to you 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross. And he's waiting for you to say, I do to him today. And so I want to give you that opportunity in saying, this is exactly what I need, what I want I want the Prince of Peace in my life. I'm done with the fighting and the strife and the turmoil and the loneliness and the emptiness. I want the Prince of Peace. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're the one that wants to welcome the Prince of Peace right now, just raise your hand all over this place on the count of three. If you haven't raised it already, raise it on the count of three. Do not let the devil intimidate you or deceive you or thinking that you're going to have a better, later opportunity or you'll do it at the end of your life. This is why God brought you here and now. So I want you to raise your hand on the count of three with those who have already raised their hands. One, two, three. Just shoot up those hands. I want the uh, workers of this church to walk over to those with their hands raised, put a hand on their shoulder to show them that we love them and we support them and we care for them and we are going to pray this prayer. I want everybody, the whole church, to pray this prayer together with me right now. Say this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, come in the name of Jesus. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for dying for me, for giving your life for me on Calvary's tree. I open up my heart to you right now, Lord Jesus, and I welcome you to come and live in my heart. I say I do to you, Lord Jesus. I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my Lord. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for saving me. On the authority of the Word of God, I am now a child of God. I have received Jesus, and therefore I belong to Him. Thank you, Prince of Peace, for ruling in my heart. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give them a big hand, all those that prayed that prayer. And so I would like to uh, uh, hand over to uh, Dr. Johnny, and he will take the service further. Thank you. God bless you. 
Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.